Hello, Ethernauts. Welcome to Ether Talk, the show where we talk about what just happened on Ethernautica. This is our chance to discuss our thoughts and theories on what is actually going on in the Ethernautica world. I'm your host, Kelly. You may know me as Rose Worthington from the show. Today, I have with me a new listener, Stephen. Howdy. Anything you want to say about yourself, Stephen? Okay, yes. Hi, I'm Stephen. You may know me from such podcasts as T-Rage or Sci-Fi, Sci-Fi, Sci-Fi. Or you might not. It's up to you, really. (laughs) Okay, so let's just dive straight in. Um, How did you discover Ethernautica? Well, you and I have a mutual friend, and uh, she was down here visiting me, and uh, we had been uh, discussing uh, the Adventure Zone, and we had just gone to see it. She had said, oh, Kelly's on a podcast that is similar to that. So (laughs) I I was basically, name, tell me the name now. (laughs) She's like, and it's no, stop describing, tell me the name. (laughs) Because I want to subscribe right now. (laughs) And then I started uh, binging through it. And I am here now. Welcome to here. (laughs) Yes. What kept you listening? Was it like the Adventure Zone? It was similar in some ways in that it was good. But... Yay! (laughs) The Adventure Zone guys are essentially three comedians that are also somewhat gamers. Whereas you guys started with a lot more gaming background. Part Mm -hmm. of the fun of the Adventure Zone was listening to them start from zero and actually sort of grow up and become gamers. You have all been gaming for a while. What kept me coming back really was hearing you guys come up with like plot lines on the fly (laughs) and just something randomly decided. Uh, I think, you know, I'm not alone in thinking that just having Daisuke just introduce (laughs) himself as Oscar Mayer and that becomes it. That's it now. That's your name. Yeah, he regretted that so much. I know, but it was it was one of those ideal things that happens in games. Mm-hmm. But there was sort of this little thing that I didn't understand till later when your character first sort of woke up in like suspended animation and she sees her friend through the window. And rather than you having to say, okay, how well do I know her? What's going on? Your first response is, okay, Margaret, this isn't funny. Get me out of here. <laughs> Because you were really comfortable with a character. I didn't understand till later that this was a character that you'd played before. But I don't know if Margaret was something or someone that you knew about in the previous time you'd played the game. But just, you know, going, okay, this is my friend. Boom. This is how I talked to her. <laughs> yeah, Margaret Van Fleet um, wasn't really anything I remember from the previous game. Just before we had started, it was established that we were friends. So right, I, I ran with it. <laughs> Yeah, okay, cool. (laughs) Even better. So you just binged and listened to everything in the last, what, couple of weeks? Yeah, absolutely. So it's all very fresh in your mind. (laughs) Well, also a little confused. You see, at one point, since it's a twisty time travel narrative in the first (laughs) scene, from my perspective, you guys are on a train, and then you're in a mansion in Boston, and then you're (laughs) on the train again. And it wasn't till I came back around to the end and I'm just like, wait, no, they've done all of this before that I realized that my podcast player had jumped me to the most recent episode when that had downloaded. But it was just a twisty enough narrative (laughs) that it, I I, I was telling Christine, my wife, that, you know, I'm really loving this, but man, this is a complicated narrative. (laughs) And afterwards, okay, it's still a complicated narrative, but maybe not quite as complicated as I thought it was. So what were your thoughts on season one? I thought it was great. Yeah, let's see. Some of my my favorite things. 
uh, again, a lot of the things that were decided on the fly, like, well, I can't say it's a favorite moment, but <laughs> the time when you got shot in the head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Because, you know, some DMs will sort of back off from that. Not that I have a huge amount of game playing experience, but some DMs might sort of say, okay, um, well, he shoots, but the gun misfires or something like that. But he was just like, okay, no, you get shot in the head. <laughs> That's the end of the episode. Let's see what we're going to do about it. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. Well, the episode ended there. That was not the end of our gaming session. And I immediately was like, I throw plot points at you. I throw plot points at you. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> because there was something I didn't know, all the clone bodies, he had an alternative if I hadn't managed to <laughs> plot point my way out of, of it. Of course, of course. <laughs> but I didn't know that the clone bodies existed at that point. I get the impression Deadline has about three plot lines lined up at about any given time. Did you have anything that you particularly liked about season one or any moments that stood out other than like the headshot scene? <laughs> uh, let's see. I really liked Brock, of course. Everybody loves Brock. I felt really bad when I realized Brock is going away. Yeah, but you know, are you sure Brock's going away? That's the thing. It's Brock. He could always <laughs> come back. Brock exists outside of time, I think. So, uh, mm -hmm. so yeah. I liked the, you know, I'm actually going back again, again, and <laughs> listening to some of the initial scenes and I tend to like the Mo Rose Margaret show wherever it pops up. <laughs> I like the pre-scripted one that uh, was done, but mm. I, I just, but I also uh, even more like, you know, when he's just put you and Margaret in a situation where you have to deal with something <laughs> and Margaret's trying to be. You know, Margaret's being Margaret and Rose is being Rose. Mm -hmm. So so uh, I found the guns. I just loved that sequence <laughs> quite a bit. Oh, and the, my, my other favorite moment, not necessarily a moment, but I really loved your character with uh, the, your secondary character. And mm. I, didn't get, I didn't get her name down. Alana? Alana, the, yeah, the mechanic. Mm -hmm. Because uh, I just loved hazard pay. Um, <laughs> hazard <over> pay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And I was kind of sad when I realized, oh, okay, those are sort of side characters for a little bit. Mm -hmm. But, you know, she can always come back. Yeah, I mean, she stayed behind while her city was being destroyed by a giant monster, but, you exactly. know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I wouldn't want anything crazy to happen. Right. I know there's a lot of questions about what happened to Jimmy Dean, since Jimmy Dean went into the portal with them, but did not end up in the Boston Commons, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. So... Yes. Well, I assume that Oscar Mayer and Jimmy Dean cannot exist in the same universe. There can only be one sausage meat type <laughs> thing happening. Well, we'll see. If, if not in the podcast, perhaps in some fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some increasingly disturbing fan fiction, I'm sure. <laughs> All right. So season one ends and we get into season two and there's obviously a, a change of pace. What do you think of season two so far? I'm liking it even better because... It's a slower build, whereas the first one, correctly, sort of is a, the in medias res, you know, we're exploding, oh my gosh, everything's going on. Here, we're just sort of like, you know, picking up the pieces, trying to figure out where and when we are. Um, Dice K actually telling people his proper name, or at least some people. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there's a little bit of time for sort of relationships, and, you know, this is the time when that sort of thing should happen. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's a slower build, and I'm uh, I'm really enjoying that a lot more. 
Awesome. Do you have any favorite parts of season two yet? Well, uh, this episode, actually, that we are here to talk about today, because I'm just like, I got through this and just like, that was awesome. That was fantastic. Oh, and, and, and I just, you know, contacted you and just like, oh, you know, I'm caught up if you, you know, need me to uh, talk about anything ever. How about tomorrow? Okay, great. Let's do it. <laughs> I literally was freaking out because I'm like, oh, man, nobody has said they wanted to do Ether Talk. I don't know who I'm going to get to do this. And you're like, I'm caught up. I'm like, great. Let's do this. <laughs> So, no, it's really important that if people want to be on this show, they let me know, or else I'm going to just keep having the same, like, five or six people come back. Right, yeah. Or you're just going to start doing voices. Yeah, no, no. That, yeah. that would be if um, Stylus was doing this show by himself. <laughs> no, you could just interview Alana. Yeah, there we go. We are here to specifically talk about the episode Marble Towers After Dark. Yes. What, what did you like about Marble Towers After Dark? Well... So there were there were three major scenes or three major moments that just delighted me. And of course, okay, four. There are, amongst the various ways, I'll come in again. Uh, no. Uh, so uh, the first one was uh, the uh, Daisuke Zola. Is, is there a shipper name for that? Uh, I, I haven't seen one yet. Yeah, that, that's all pretty new. I think that took people rather by surprise or just <laughs> maybe just me. I'm only one person most of the time. But anyway, yeah, the, the what I call the mutual seduction and acrobatics spectacular. <laughs> yes. Because it was pure fun. It was. It was not expected. I didn't see it coming when when they were playing it because at the time, of course, Deadline is doing Zola's parts. Right. So it's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Once when he says, Zola's smoking a cigarette. <laughs> I know where this is going. <laughs> but the fact that it's happening, you know, next to a giant gun on top of this <laughs> mysterious mansion. I just thought it was fantastic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the fact that he had to roll stamina for the uh, <laughs> unspoken scene afterwards. <laughs> I don't know if that's usual in the game all y'all play, but uh, <laughs> it's not something I've had experience doing. In game, in game. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. So then paralleling that, we have the... Rose slash Hellcat Pauline snuggle scene. <laughs> now, I don't know where the game has gone at this point, but you know, from what I'm hearing, there's uh, okay. So what? And I forget what's the uh, again. What, what's the shipper name on that? Hellworth is the popular one. I've also heard Hell Rose. Yes, well, I came up with Rosine, which I think is awesome, <laughs> and I'm sticking works. with. Yes, but. It, it's sort of interesting in that it's the exact opposite of this other of the uh, da, Daisuke Zola scene because <laughs> he's throwing knives around. She's carefully disarming her knives, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're going at it, and she's sort of snuggling closer. And Rose isn't moving away, <laughs> but she's just like, oh, "Okay, I'm going to go to sleep now." Uh, <laughs> And as I, my original thought was, I think everyone in the known universe, including possibly you, are trying to ship these two. <laughs> and Rose isn't ready yet. And then, oh yes, third one, Felix's letter to Rose's dad, because <laughs> I love the way that I love the way that he's playing him. Now, I don't know if he actually really wanted to go to sleep desperately during the game, <laughs> but uh, I just loved the idea of. Dear so-and-so. He's just going to be like the world's most useless spy because all of his, you know, secret reports will be, we are at a place. <laughs> Daisuke killed somebody, I think. 
And um, I disagreed with Rose about something. I don't remember <laughs> what. You know, sincerely, whatever my name is. Uh, so I just, I just loved that. Mm -hmm. The reason that I was saying, you know, three, no four, is because this episode has the best post-credits sequence I've seen yet. There's so many bloopers. <laughs> Not just the bloopers. Okay, so there's there's a Serial Experiments Lane reference, mm -hmm. and that's awesome. <laughs> and I just have down here in my notes, novelty. Just novelty. Uh, because she's got 15,000 variant line readings of the, <laughs> the other side of that lovemaking scene, right. some of which are very disturbing. <laughs> if you don't normally listen to the end bloopers, what's wrong with you? Right. And... Um, but this is definitely one to listen to because mm -hmm. uh, she's doing anime voices. She's uh, <laughs> really exploring the space. Yeah. <laughs> I like how it closes out with um, Emily, who's doing the Hellcat lines going. He's like, why are you still listening? I should just stop. Yeah. <laughs> why am I still talking? <laughs> she's doing the Ferris Bueller fade out. <laughs> yep, I love it. <laughs> I, I sort of like took me off guard for a second there. She can see me. <laughs> the way that our editing works is I clean up our recording sessions and then he uh, deadline will come in and add all the voice actors and everything else. So I only heard the bloopers that were us at the table. So I hadn't heard all of the novelty stylist stuff and I hadn't heard Emily's lines. So it's, it was really exciting for me to go back through and listen and hear what's been added after I handed everything over. Exactly. Anything else you want to talk about, about this particular episode? Cause those were the main things that like, Happen, but we also spent a lot of time with Rose going over those papers, and we learned a lot, actually. Yes, we did. And I've listened to it four times, and I'm still not entirely sure I've digested all of it. There was a lot. <laughs> There's a lot in there. Um, so is it Doc Ox? There was uh, th there was this, you know, we're still parsing the information about this uh, doctor that Margaret was trying to cure Rose uh, of the uh, Yithian... Uh, you know the the, the the soul swap that she had gone mm -hmm. through, and yeah, I, you know, I, I can get into a little bit that maybe if we're going to talk about theories and so forth. And yes, there was there was a lot of information dump. I'm not sure what I can say about any of that. Yeah, even Rose is like, there's a lot here, and she's having a hard time parsing it. I was having a hard time parsing it, and it was just the we're getting snippets and not in any kind of cohesive order. Right now. One thing, I'll tell you one thing I hope doesn't happen, just hmm. because I've got, you know, my heart set on this Rose and Margaret spinoff show. But, you know, <laughs> I hope Margaret doesn't turn out to be somehow duplicitous. It doesn't seem to line up with the sort of character that we've seen so far. But, you know, you know because there are some things that she's saying that we're a little unclear as to how well they line up with, you know, what we're discovering is real. Mm -hmm. um, so if she turns out to be duplicitous, you know, if she's been been lying to you this whole time, then then my heart shall be broken, I'm sure. That's exactly where Rose's is at this point. She's just like, I'm getting all this information, but until I talk to Margaret, I'm right. I don't know what to make of all of this. Exactly. I am totally open to theories. I love talking about theories on this show. <laughs> yes. Well let's see. My theory is that Beauregard has some kind of Martian connection because he's he speaks several Martian languages. Have you ever read uh, Charles Strauss's uh, Laundry series? I have not, but that sounds like something Deadline would have read. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> if I have gleaned anything about Deadline from listening to this show, then he's read it. <laughs> There's this this uh, character named Angleton who is, you know, 
he he is normally this sort of buttoned up, extremely British government official, but he's secretly like this demonic force. And uh, that's my guess on what's going on with Beauregard. He's like some kind of, I mean, it's, it's not, in my opinion, he's not just a biological experiment. He is something big that has been chained up and made to be a butler for some mysterious reason. Hmm. I also love the fact that I realized sort of today, I am thinking of Beauregard as an enemy when he hasn't done anything wrong. It's just that Daisuke's first impulse on meeting anybody is how can I kill him? Right. Doesn't feel relaxed until he's figured that out. <laughs> so that is currently his preoccupation. And I've caught it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but my theory is that he has, I mean, that the powers, the, the vast power is somehow going into him. Um, I am wondering if the gun on the roof eventually gets turned on him. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that might happen because he can't leave the house. Um, that might destroy the house. Uh, my my theory about the big gun on the roof is that it's a big part of the, f- the finale. You know, what I really want to happen is that that uh, maid that Rose accidentally slighted uh, <laughs> getting the bad role will, will, as has been previously mentioned, turn out to be the big bad <laughs> and that they somehow have to use the big gun on her. Oh. <laughs> but I'm imagining she's got a big mecha suit, so it's okay. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Steam-powered mecha suit, steam-powered mecha suit. Ooh. And let's see. But I actually think that it was probably there to deal with Mrs. Norton's men. Uh, let's see. I have down in my notes, I don't. I have no idea if Hellworth or Rosine mm-hmm. is going to happen, but it certainly won't happen fast enough for some fans. <laughs> but yeah, I th- I'm going to imagine that Beauregard is somehow tied to the... There was a, a Martian backup computer, or I don't know if it was Martian, but it was a, a biological backup computer. The the Elder Caterpillar? Yeah, the Elder Caterpillar. He's somehow connected with that. I don't know if he is secretly one in a human suit or whatever, but he is somehow connected with... Am hmm. I vague enough? Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, I also wanted to mention, so back in the 1960s, my father started a company called Crystal Technology. And so every time somebody says crystal technology in this episode, <laughs> which is not something I hear a lot in ordinary life, mm-hmm. I sit up and think for a second, oh, this is talking about a company in Palo Alto. And then have to <laughs> remind myself that, you know, crystal technology is just a thing. And mm-hmm. It is. Rose really needs to, to work on learning more about crystal technology because it's something we keep running into. <laughs> I can tell you about it in this planet, but I can't <laughs> tell you about it in... <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think it'll be the same. Yeah, no, no. It's not just deflecting lasers. Nope. Now this one has to do with like memory transfers and 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 soul transfers and turning people to I don't know, it's so weird. <laughs> That's pretty much all I've pre-thought about. All right. Is there anything that you hope to see like this season or what what you want to see happen next? Is there areas that maybe have been touched on but not fully explored? I am making the guess right now that you guys have actually, at this point, I think all of the pieces are in play and they need to need to be fitted together. Oh, this was a crazy theory I just came up with <laughs> that uh, that somehow or other the eggs in that statue mm. need to be put back together in a different order or something, and that will open a portal to God knows what. Oh, I don't think that's going to happen, <laughs> but it's an interesting theory. It's not exactly a puzzle game in that sense, but uh, but you know what? Even if it doesn't happen, 
if it had happened, it would have opened a portal. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, because that's that's the first thing all these characters want to do is go through portals again. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Maybe it'll just you know raise up something from the from the caverns underneath or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, what would I like to see? I can't wait for Margaret to get back. I realize that you know, narratively, it makes perfect sense for her to be kept away because you know then we get the Rose Margaret show again, and <laughs> that's. You gotta you gotta ration that out a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I am curious as to what's going to happen with Daisuke and Zola. Is this just going to be a you know wink, you know a, a nod at each other and and smile in the hallway for a while, or is this, you know, is this a greater part of plot development? Mm. Uh, but I mean, this episode was really a bit more about the characters than the mystery. Although we do have you know the the big dump off about oh, and the biggest mystery for me is of course. Who was uh, who originally sent for that doctor? Right. So, other than the things that are immediately going to happen, is there anything that you want to see by the end of the season or in future seasons? Um. Well, let's see. I've I've mentioned the Rose and Margaret show. Mm-hmm. I think I just agree with everybody else. We're going to learn more about Daisuke's past. I think that uh, we're. I think we're going to... Oh, yes, this is what I need to know. Everybody needs to know why Felix Lee is so scared of horses. <laughs> now, in a normal world, he would just be afraid of horses. But what if he was from a distant future? Maybe he's descended from horses himself. Like, uh, maybe he's one of these characters that uh, that we were... Uh, I forget. There was that, that one character that was uh, from the future, and she had interacted with mm. horse-descended people. And may, maybe right, Kessian. Kessian, of course. Um, maybe, maybe she had. Maybe he was involved in a, a future war against the the horse kind, and has PTSD. Um, well, P PHSD, something like that. Post horse <laughs> stress disorder. Yes, and so. Uh, so yes, there could be all kinds of reasons, um, or he could just be afraid of horses. That could just be a thing. It could, given that it's Mike. <laughs> the, when Mike starts playing a character, I never know what to expect. Like, the whole Brock thing came around because he was like, "I want to have a pet right. rock." Yeah. No. Then, then he created that character that my character had to watch, and it's just like, "I'm gonna blow everything <laughs> up." It's like, why? Yeah, it's always great to have that sort of player in the game, and sometimes mm-hmm. I've been that player where. <laughs> you, know, you just sort of come up with some bizarre characteristics, just like, I'm going all in on this. I don't really care if this prevents the game from being played. This is what's happening. <laughs> uh, but yes, he's a cowboy, uh, but can't ride horses. He's a spy, but can't describe anything. <laughs> he's a mass of contradictions, and I think it's great. Yeah. No, it's it really adds to the game. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, yeah, let's see. What else would I like to see? I don't know. Uh, I'm very curious as to what happened with Mrs. Norton and uh, this uh, apparent attack on the house that was fended off. That Again, mm. I'm assuming that the big gun was involved in that somehow. Um, and um, I am curious as to whether you guys are done time traveling or if you're going to uh, be flung throughout space and time again. Um, but given that I believe Deadline's a Doctor Who fan, mm-hmm. there's very little chance that you're going to be stuck on one space and time for a while. I did <laughs> I did sort of, I did dig up the, take a look at the map, and I recommend to everybody that listens to, you know, by all means, look at the map. It's the, the 
it, it, the area is, is actually quite interesting to look at, and it makes uh, a lot of it make more sense in terms of it's, it's far enough from the city that, uh, uh, you know, it, it's just far enough from the city that it's remote, but just close enough that you can get there easily enough. I was going to say, we had the maps in front of us when we were recording, and that was one of the tricks of editing, was taking out all of the us referring to the map. <laughs> you know, so we're going to go here. Thud, thud, thud. <laughs> okay, describe for the people at home where it is that you're going to go. Yeah, that's the only downside to playing all in the room together, is that you mm -hmm. have to remind people, okay, yes, we're also recording this for audio. Oh, yeah, we spend so much time, like, giving each other's looks and stuff. <laughs> Okay, so maybe that's what I want to see is uh, I want to see the <laughs> video cast. That that should be like a Patreon goal or something like that. We'll, we'll see. Um, I know Stylus would be happy to set up a stream, but at the same time, we're so far ahead in what we're recording. Oh, right. No, no, no. It doesn't have to be a stream. You can just record oh, a video. Just record it and then release it. It right. doesn't even have to be That'd like be the whole thing. Just... Uh, just, just like a highlights reel of, and then you could sort of see, you know, exactly how this person was looking at that person at that time. Um, but see, the problem with asking me about what would I like to see in the future is I'm satisfied with the narrative. I am just, oh, <laughs> just hanging on, you know, I, I generally not trying to get ahead of things. I am just interested in what you guys will come up with next. Brilliant. Well, um, let's let's talk a little bit about this as a podcasting point of view. I don't know how many actual plays you listen to. Uh, I think two. <laughs> I, I listened to a couple, and I feel like one of the things that we were doing really different than a lot of the actual plays I listened to was we really leaned into audio drama formatting. Absolutely. This. And that was one thing that, like I said, kept me coming back initially was... Uh, you know, as a podcaster myself, though not of this kind of podcast, uh, I know how much effort it is to find out, you know, to, to, to get that sound for that moment and uh, to, to really sculpt this entire uh, soundscape. But I really think it adds a tremendous amount because, say, for example, Adventure Zone adds a little bit of texturing, especially for mm -hmm. big dramatic scenes and so forth. But you guys mm -hmm. do it for everything, and I think that adds a lot. It makes a lot of work for yourselves, but um, mm -hmm. since all y'all are crazy, then um, <laughs> then that's fine. It's, it's part of the reason why we release every other week as opposed to every week. Yeah. Even with an ordinary podcast, it can be challenging to release every week. So, yes. Mm -hmm. Just listening to you guys improve from good to really good to, okay, this is one thing I'm uh, looking forward to. I'm told that uh, what we're listening to now isn't even your final audio setup. It is <laughs> <And> not. <laughs> so uh, I am looking forward to the 3D audio holograms that you guys are going to be beaming directly into my brain <laughs> in the future. Oh, stylus, get on that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, the... The amount of work you guys had to put into it is is impressive. And, you know, that is something that not everybody is going to do because uh, if you're aiming for just a smaller audience, if you're just aiming for, oh, I'm just going to, um, you know, have my friends and family listen to it, 
then mm-hmm. you don't really need to do all of that. You don't barely need to edit it. You can just say, oh, okay, mm-hmm. this is what it would sound like if you were there in the room. Right. But you, know, you guys are obviously aiming higher, so you're doing all of this, and good for you. Thank you. No, it is a lot of work, but I feel really happy with what we put out. You should. And it makes me really excited to talk about Ethernautica with people. It's just like, no, please, you have to check this out. And I know it's not for everybody, but... Well, and then when you have a podcast, you sort of just want to, you know, shake people back and forth and just like, why aren't you listening to it? (laughs) I don't mean like, why not in general? Why not now? Why are you not listening to it now? (laughs) That's been the hardest part is I've had people go, I'm like, oh, 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 I'll listen to it. I'm like, great. And then I kind of sit there and I'm like, what did you think of it? But I don't want to know what they thought if they didn't like it, you know? I I do know. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I... Uh, when, when I said, hey, Killa, I've been listening to your podcast, and it's great. I did not want to have that break in between lines where, hey, Kelly, I've been listening <laughs> to your podcast. Beat, beat, beat. <laughs> oh, what did you think of it? <laughs> should I should right? I sign you up to be murdered? <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to talk about about Ethernautica that we haven't covered yet? I don't think so, no. All right. So I think this will be a good place to end our discussion today. Thank you all for joining me. I hope that you enjoyed it. Once again, I'm Kelly, and you can find me on Twitter at MikeBKelly. Thank you for taking the time to talk with me today, Stephen. Where can our listeners find you? Well, you can find me on a variety of stalled and ill-gotten podcasts. One podcast is T-Rage, which you can find, I believe, at tragepodcast.com. That will start updating pretty soon because I'm going to be on a panel about tea coming up, and I have to look like an expert again. And the other one is Sci-Fi, 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 a podcast where we review audiobooks of a science fictional or fantastical nature. And I talk funny. Always the best. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Ethernauts, for listening. If you'd like to be on an episode of Ether Talk, you can contact us via Twitter or our website, ethernauticapodcast.com. Until next time... (laughs) 